Hey there and welcome to the Duncan Pentecostal Church podcast streaming from Vancouver Island here in Canada. And however you have found our podcast, we're so glad you're here. Before we jump into today's message, just a couple things I want to let you know. If you go to our website, www.duncanchurch.com, you're going to find a couple easy ways where you can connect with us. We have an online connect card you can fill out. Maybe let us know where you're listening from and check off the option to receive our what's happening email we send this out once a week it's a great way to stay connected with everything that's going on here at the church and even online apart from that there is a give button so if you're feeling led you can do that right online through our website you can also find us on facebook and youtube we are so glad you're tuning in and we are believing that god's going to do something special in you through today's message enjoy and I'll introduce myself again. My name's Peter. I am one of the pastors here, and it's an honor and privilege to get to serve you by bringing you the Word of God this morning. How many of you, um, how many of you remember those kids in school that were kind of like way older than everyone else? Do you know what I'm talking about? Because maybe they'd failed a grade or two or three, maybe even four. Do you know what I'm talking about? Remember those kids? Um, I remember them. Remember, they were the ones that in elementary school could already grow a mustache. Um, and I'm not just talking about the girls, but the boys too. Right? They're, they're the, they were the ones that I remember when I was in junior high, which for me was grade 8, 9, and 10. So I went to Spencer down in, uh, in I don't know if that's Langford. I guess that's Langford, called, whatever they call it now. Um, West Shore. Uh, I went to Spencer in, in grade 8 to 10. So th- grade 8, you're about 13 years old. And by grade 10, you're, uh, you're it's about 15, 16. And I n- I'll never forget, there was all these, these students... Um, Crystal, maybe you, you went to the same school, so you remember, you remember some of those students that, that they were like way older than us, they, they already had cars, you're like in grade 8, and there's these like guys driving up in these big muscle cars, and they've got big muscles, and they've got big beards, and they usually smoked, you know what I'm talking about, Crystal, there's those, there was those, those ones that they'd failed a couple grades, or two or three or four, um, right, and, and everyone kind of felt like they were like the, they were the real cool kids, right, they were the real mature ones. And as I think about that this week, I realized, you know what, they weren't actually the real mature ones. They were actually delayed. <laughs> if you think about it, they were the immature ones. They, in reality, they, they were the ones that had failed. They weren't able to progress in life. And, and this morning, we're looking at the book of Hebrews. We're continuing our study in Hebrews. And the Hebrew Christians that the letter of Hebrews is written to were, were sort of similar to those that had failed a grade or two or three or maybe four grades. But they were actually in a worse situation. Because these Hebrew Christians, we're going to find out this morning, weren't just in this kind of maybe failing a grade or two or three, but we're talking a serious case of Benjamin Button. If you've seen the movie, they were in danger of becoming infants again. That's what it was. They were actually regressing, not just like an 18-year-old in grade nine or 10. We're talking like an 18-year-old that was like an infant that still needed diapers and a bottle. That's basically what's going on. And it's a danger, if we're honest, that all of us all of us in our walk with Christ have. That of going backwards instead of forwards. It's a real danger that we all face. You see, in chapter 5, the author of Hebrews, he wanted to go deep. He wanted to explain some deep mysteries and truths about Melchizedek. If you were here a couple weeks ago, Ross shared about the high priesthood of Christ. We began that actually in chapter 4. It spilled into chapter 5. And the author of Hebrews wants to go deep about this Melchizedek and how Christ is in the, 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 not in the Aaronic priesthood line, but rather in the line of Melchizedek. And he wants to envelop this deep truth of it. But the Hebrew Christians, we're going to find out, weren't ready. They weren't ready. 
They, they weren't mature enough for this meaty teaching. Instead, they needed milk. That's what he says. They, they needed easy to digest teaching because, because they were going backwards. They needed to relearn the ABCs of life in Christ. They were like babies still. So in chapter 7, we'll get there. Don't worry. You're going to learn about these incredible truths about Melchizedek. Because it's really cool. Some people are like, well, was it really, was it actually Jesus, a pre-appearance of Christ? And there's these deep truths that he's going to unveil for us in chapter 7. But first of all, there's a bit of a rebuke that he needs to give to these Christians here, these Hebrew Christians. And we're going to read that this morning. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11. If you don't have a Bible, you need a Bible. Um, In the seat back in front of you, there will be a Bible. I realize now that if you're sitting in the front row, you don't have a seat back in front of you. Um, If you need a Bible, and there's those of you that maybe are sitting behind somebody in the front row, and there's Bibles there. Maybe you could just put it over the seat if you don't need it. But if you need it, you use it. <laughs> um, but you need a Bible to follow along this morning. If you want to find the book of Hebrews, go to the back of your Bible. You're going to find the book of Revelation and then start working backwards. You'll hit like Jude and 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, 1st, 2nd Peter. And eventually you'll hit James and then you'll get to Hebrews. And, uh, and it is on page 1003. Which it literally is if you're using the Bibles that are in the seats because I have the same Bible that is in the seat backs in front of you. So, so let's, let's read together Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11, to chapter 6, verse 3. And then we're going to pray before we look at what I'm titling this morning, backwards or forwards. About this, we have much to say, and it is hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, and of instruction about washings, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. Let's take a moment and pray. Father, this morning, um, we don't want to be babies anymore. We don't want to be big babies. Lord, we want to grow up. And uh, Lord, teach us, Lord, from your word. If I'm honest, God, I know that I can actually quite often be like the Hebrew Christians that had that tendency to go backwards instead of forwards. That sometimes I regress in my faith. Lord, help us today to, to grow up, to mature into all that you have for us in Christ. Teach us and lead us, I pray. Open your word to us through the Holy Spirit. We love you and we thank you. Amen. 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 All right, so the first thing that we're going to look, we're going to look at two things this morning, going backwards and going forwards. And the first, we'll look at this. We're going to look at the signs of going backwards. There's actually four signs in the text that the author of Hebrews is going to give us. Four signs of going backwards. But before I get to that, I do want to preface this morning by saying this. There is nothing wrong with being a baby Christian. You need to understand that. There's nothing wrong with being a baby Christian. I mean, we all had to start this life. Everybody started this life the same way. And how was that? A baby. baby. Physically, you came into this world as a baby. Spiritually, it's no different. When you begin your life with Christ, you begin as a baby. And there's nothing wrong with that. However... At some point, I look out here today, there's no, well, there might be some babies. Oh, there's, yeah, there's a baby. Um, at some point, you grow up. I'm looking at a bunch of grown-ups out here this morning. At some point, we need to grow up. And it's the same physically, it's the same spiritually. That There should be a point in our life when spiritually we begin to grow 
up and mature. So the first sign that you may be going backwards, becoming a baby again, is dull or lazy hearing. Look at chapter 5, verse 11. He says, about this, about this. So he's saying, about this, what I want to talk to you about, what he'd been previously mentioning all about Melchizedek. About this, we have much to say, and it's hard to explain. It's deep, he's saying. Since you have become dull of hearing. Now let's be honest. Sometimes, sometimes the problem isn't dull or lazy hearing on part of the listener, but on part of the preacher, right? Let's be honest. Sometimes the teacher, the preacher can be a little bit dull. Can I get any amens out there? Thanks, Dave Frankie, I hear that. And I'll be honest, I'll be honest, I've heard that Ross guy speak, and uh, no, he's not a dull speaker whatsoever. Actually, I'm pretty, I'm jealous of Ross, actually, he's quite the communicator and a phenomenal teacher. But, but sometimes, let's, yes, it is, sometimes the teacher can be pretty dull. Uh, but the word dull here, it's literally lazy or sluggish or ignorant, and it actually speaks specifically to the part of the hearer. Laziness on the part of the hearer. It's basically, it's, he's saying you're not putting in the work or the effort that you should be. It's kind of like I have a, I just couldn't care less attitude towards the word of God. And it's an actual ignorance. Sometimes even ignoring what God has spoken to you through his word. That's what he's saying here. That's what the word is actually speaking of. Yes, there is a responsibility on the part of the preacher to take God's truth and to, to make it applicable to us for daily living. There absolutely is. The preacher cannot be excused of that. But there is also the responsibility on the hearer to study and to cultivate a hunger for the word of God. That's what he's saying here. Do you know, I actually read about how with the great awakening that took place back in like the 17, 1800s in England and in America as well, that there actually became, during that time period, there was such a hunger for the word of God and to study the word of God that people started to learn. There was, there was a vast and dramatic uptake in shorthand, learning shorthand, the ability to take notes. I, I can't do my, I had an uncle that could do all the shorthand and all these little symbols. If you look at my notes that I'm preaching with, there's weird shorthand that I've made up myself. So like with, I'll just do like a W and a slash, things like that. Or about, I'll do like an A slash B, right? It's just to save space so that I can fit more words on there so my sermons can get longer. <laughs> so I've made up my own little shorthand. But there was actually an uptake in, in a desire to learn shorthand because there was such a hunger amongst the people for learning God's word. And they would actually, I actually read that they, it was not uncommon, they said, to find somebody going around town with, people going to church rather, with um, uh, what, a quill, or isn't that what you called it, the, the quill, in behind their ear, and a portable inkwell strapped to their waist. Because <laughs> there was a hunger for the word of God. There was a hunger to learn and to grow, to cultivate. And you see, he, the reality is here, the author of Hebrews, he wants to explain deeper truths of Christ. But these Hebrew Christians, they kind of lost their appetite for Christ's word. That's what he's kind of saying here. And I want to ask you this this morning. Are you exercising the word of God in your life? Because you know what happens when you exercise? You develop more of an appetite, right? Recently, uh, some of us went to Vancouver for a worship conference. Uh, There was uh, Lynn, Lacey, and Connor, and Lonnie, and Andrea, and myself. And we went to this worship conference over in Vancouver. It was about a month ago. And while we were there... Um, I, oh, I should just preface this by saying, if, you, if you're wondering why I look so massive, it's because I work out. <laughs> so my wife and I both work out. We've, uh, I, she's done a lot longer than I have. That's why she's probably bigger than me. But, um, but I was, that, I was warned. I was warned. I said, you know what, as soon as, I, actually, I warned Andrew. I said, as soon as your muscles get bigger than mine, I'm going to start working out. So I had to start working out a little while ago. 
And uh, anyway, so, so we exercised fairly regularly. And at this conference, Connor, um, Connor, who was playing electric guitar up here this morning, he, uh, he won one of the days, he, I think it was a Saturday, he had breakfast and he, he was like, I don't really feel like lunch. He didn't even eat lunch. Meanwhile, and then by dinner time, he's like, I'm not even that hungry for dinner. And meanwhile, Andrew and I have had uh, like five meals before dinner already. And um, we're just consuming food. Why? Because we've been exercising so much that we burn the calories like crazy. So we need to eat way more. And, and I remember Connor saying that time at dinner, he's like, you know what? He's like, I think I'm going to have to start working out just so that I can start eating more. But that's the reality. When you exercise the word of God, when you work it out in your life, you're going to start to cultivate a hunger. You'll need more of the word. You'll need to be in it more. And here's the thing. If you don't have a hunger for the word of God, you might be going backwards. You might be going backwards. Now, a second sign you may be going backwards and becoming a baby again is an inability to share. Look at verse 12. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles, or, or other translations say the elementary truths of the oracles or the word of God. Now, parents, what is one of the hardest things to teach children? Everything. It, yeah, yeah, everything. Yeah, all kinds of things come to mind. Potty training, you know, right? What, what's one of the hardest things, though, to teach children? I, I can't understand a word you guys said. It just sounds like, wah, wah. to share, right? You know how hard it is to teach a child to share, Right? right? Sharing's not easy. It's like, no, share that with your brother, share that with your sister or with your friend, right? And they fight over that thing and then they drop and it breaks and no one gets it, right? Teaching a child to share is a very difficult thing. You know what? Teaching a Christian to share is another one of those difficult things. And here's one of the problems. They had an inability at this point in their lives to share. And I don't mean sharing in the sense of like, here, what's mine is yours. Like you can have some of my food. I'm talking about sharing the word of God. They had an inability to share the word of God. Now, this isn't, this isn't telling us that every one of you should be able to get up on this platform and have the gift of teaching. That's not at all what the author of Hebrews is saying here. But he is saying this, we should all be able to teach one another. We should all be able to share with one another what God has been teaching us individually through the word of God. There should be that ability in our lives. So when I was in Bible school, I, I had some incredible teachers, some incredible classes I've got books up in my office, like this wide of, of notes from classes. I never reference those. I don't remember a word, in fact, that was spoken in those classes in a lot of ways. Do you know what I remember? I remember the times, I remember specific times and specific teachings that we had with one another in the dorm room as we began to share what God was working out in our lives. And we need to be able to do that. You see, some of the best and the most important teaching in the Christian life does not come from a platform. It doesn't, but it comes from brothers and sisters in Christ just as they sit and they talk and they share with one another what God is doing and teaching them through his word. And we need to be able to do that. But these Hebrew Christians, instead of helping others to grow, the author says that they needed to be taught again. They weren't able, they should have been helping others grow, but instead they're needing help once again. Again, he says to be taught the basic or the elementary truths of the oracles or the word of God. Literally, the ABCs. That's what it actually literally is in the Greek. They need to be taught the ABCs again of the Word of God. And so let me ask you this. When was the last time that you shared with somebody what God was teaching you through His Word? What God was working out in your life? This is an indicator if maybe you're going forwards or going backwards. Now a third sign of going backwards is you need a baby food diet. Look at verse 12 as it continues. You need milk, not solid food. Now I just want to say this. Milk isn't wrong. Milk isn't bad. In fact, I love some good homogenized milk. 
I just can't drink it all too often. Even though I can burn more calories than I used to, it still affects me in other ways. But, um, and you know what's even better than homogenized milk? I don't know, are Mark and Carling here this morning? Promise Valley Farm, man, if you haven't gotten their, like, dispenser milk thing, I think it's like almost 5%. Oh. Anyway, so milk's good. If you're not thirsty by now, you should be. Uh, one commentator, though, pointed this out. Here's the thing. Milk is, des- is designed for babies. Think about that. It's designed for people with no teeth. So it's not wrong, but we don't live off of milk, do we? Anybody here have a purely milk diet? Nobody. Nobody here has just a milk diet. That's all you live off, breakfast, lunch, dinner, and every other minute of the day, drinking milk, 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 unless you're a baby, right? One commentator pointed this out. He said, milk is essentially, and I never thought of this, pre-digested food. Milk is essentially pre-digested food, especially suited to babies and only, those with, uh, and only those with teeth can eat solid foods such as meat and vegetables. I had never thought of that. Milk is really pre-digested food. The mother, whether it be an animal or a human, eats food, it turns to milk for their baby, right? Produces, then they produce milk for their baby. It's pre-digested food. And this hit me this week as I was studying this. I thought, you know what? This, I think for a lot of us, it looks like getting others to digest God's word for us and then feeding it to us. That's what the author is saying. Again, milk isn't bad. But once you have teeth, what do you, you need to dig in. You need to chew. You need to, even if you're not into meat, then eat some veggies. Right? You need to chew some other substance. And, and I think for how this, you know what hit me this week is, I, and, and I'm guilty of this, I love podcasts. I love sermons online, listening to them online. But I think one of the dangers is that we can now allow way more easily than we ever used to be able to because of the accessibility just go on the internet. You got sermons galore. We allow somebody else now to digest God's word for us and then feed it to us instead of us going to God's word and digesting it ourselves. There's nothing wrong with milk. That's a good thing to do from time to time. Listen to sermons, but you need to be able to feed yourself. You need to be able to digest God's word yourself to get into the word on your own. So yes, we should be listening to podcasts and sermons and these other things, but it can't be the only way that I eat the word of God because if it is, do you know what that means? I'm a baby. That's what that means. I'm just a baby. I mean, and it's cute. It's cute to see a baby, you know, sucking on a bottle. But think about a grown adult <laughs> sucking back on a bottle. Yuck. You know, I... But, but a, a Christian that can't eat God's word for themselves is defined here as a baby. That's, that's what the author of Hebrews is saying. And I don't want you to feel guilty. I know this is a bit of a rebuke. It's a bit of a slap in the face in some ways. But, but you can, because I, I understand, I know it's difficult to, to be consistently in the word of God. It's a discipline. It really is a discipline that you need to develop. It's a habit. But you can see how this all builds on itself. Think about how point one was what? A dull, lazy, ignorant, listening hearer Someone that's dull, ignorant, and lazy in their listening and hearing. You know what that's going to do? It's going to cause God's word to seem dry and boring. That's what begins to happen. His word begins to seem a little bit dry and boring. Which you know what that leads to is point two, an inability to share God's word with others. Why? Because you're not consuming it yourself. Which then leads to point three, you can only survive off a liquid diet. Milk, not solid food. You can see how it builds upon itself. And so we got to reverse these things. And when you do, when you, you'll start to crave God's word. You'll need it. It will come alive. And it's, it's, it is. It's like working out. You'll need that energy. 
You'll need that energy to be able to consume way more. And I just want to say this. If you need tips, if you need tips on consuming God's word for yourself, I would love to give you some of the tips. It took me a long, long time to develop a routine in my life where I regularly and consistently am in the word of God. Things that I've learned that help and that work for me. Some people just get overwhelmed. I can't read all those chapters a day. Well, then don't read five chapters a day. Read five verses a day but consume it and meditate on it and allow God to speak to you through it. Some people are like, well, I'm just horrible at reading. Then listen to the word. Put it on and listen to it and take time and meditate upon the word of God. And there's all kinds of tips I would love to give you. If you need help, please send me an email or talk to me. I would love to connect with you about tips on that. But the fourth and the final sign we're going to look at of going backwards, of really becoming like a Benjamin Button, is unskilled in the word. Look at verse 13. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. So an immature believer, we're told here, is unskilled in the word of righteousness, in the word of God. They don't allow it to shape and to discern how they are to live their life, the choices that they are to be making. They don't allow the word of God to be the deciding factor. That's kind of what he's getting at here. They're unskilled in using it. I like what Warren Wearsby says. He says, as we grow in the word, we learn to use it in daily life. As we apply the word, we exercise our spiritual senses and develop spiritual discernment. It is a characteristic of little children that they lack discernment. A baby will put anything into its mouth. Likewise, an immature believer will listen to any preacher on the radio or TV and not be able to identify, identify whether or not they are true to the scriptures. I think this goes way beyond just listening to people on the radio or TV. This is just life in general. I think he's taking it too far. <laughs> I think he's giving us too much credit that we'd even be listening to people speaking about the word. I think just in life in general, we struggle on a whole to determine how do I live my life, and we don't use the Word of God even. If we want to move beyond a baby Christian, we need to go from milk to meat. And it's not just from our calories. It, it, it actually is about like building spiritual muscle, so to say. It, it, do you notice how the word he used here, he actually talks about training. For those who have their powers of discernment, trained. Training. He actually says you need to train here. How? By constant practice to distinguish good from evil constant practice the niv says by constant use you need to use what god's word is giving you you need to apply it to your life that's what he's saying and as you do that more and more you're going to grow more and more and mature more and more immature christians they need milk they're, they're therefore they're, they're unskilled in the word of righteousness and that's okay they're at a starting point but mature Christians are to be eating solid food. In other words, they should be using the word of God to discern how to live their life. They take the word of God when, when a decision needs to be made about anything. They take the word of God and they go, what, what do you want to speak to me through your word? What are you going to tell me to do? It might not speak directly to like do this or do that, but he will lead and he will guide, right? He will lead and he will guide. What's right? What's wrong? How should I live my life? All of it will come down to what does God's word tell me to do? Am I taking time to listen for the word in my life? And here's the bottom line. Through that, do you know what happens is that these people, mature Christians, they actually come to the point where it's like, if God's word says it, then I do it. We don't need to reason it away. We don't need to explain it away or go, well, really, that pastor over there says this. No, God's word says it, therefore I'm going to do it. 
that's, that's what a mature, mature follower of Christ will do. If it's there, that settles it. Before we move on, listen, I do want to be clear. There is nothing wrong with being a baby Christian. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, we do have a bit of a baby boom going on right now at Duncan Pentecostal Church. We have all kinds of babies being born, which is awesome. I love it. And babies are so cute, aren't they? So adorable. I love seeing, you know, the babies, you know, in their diapers and they're sucking their thumb or their soother and their bottles. It's cute, isn't it? But think about this. If, if I were to maybe, you know, maybe, maybe you have a baby and that baby's a year old and then, and then I don't see you for another 18 years and now your, your baby's now 19. And you're like, oh, here's my baby and your baby's now six foot two, 225 pounds. And your baby, this is baby whatever their name is, is still in diapers and still sucking their thumb and still needs their bottle. We'd be like, what? What's going on here? Unless there is an actual developmental, because legitimately there are sometimes developmental problems and issues, we would say, wait a minute, there's something wrong. There's a developmental issue here. There's a problem. It's the same with our lives as Christians. If we're still like that, there's something wrong. And how many of us sometimes are still like this? Is there something wrong with us, perhaps? Is there a developmental issue in our life? Now, I know you're all here this morning, and I know you all want to move on. You don't want to stay as babies, right? No one wants to be a big baby. And the Hebrew, the author of Hebrews, he continues this thought now for us in chapter 6 by challenging us to move forward, to move on, to grow up. Look at chapter 6. Moving to chapter 6. Verse 1, it begins. It says, therefore. Therefore. You know what the therefore is there for, right? Because of what I was just telling you all about, about growing up, right? Not going backwards. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity. He's basically saying this, let's grow up. Let's grow up. And, and again, the word elementary here it is, again, literally the ABCs of the doctrine of Christ. Let us leave the ABCs of the doctrine of Christ, the basic truths of the Christian faith. That's what he's saying. I want to go into deeper things. I want to go into deeper truths. There's some basics. It's not saying that the basics need to be left altogether. We build upon basics. But he's saying, I, 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 I want to go beyond that. And he's actually going to list for us, coming up here, six basics of the Christian faith. He does it actually in three pairs. And he gives us these basics of the faith that we need to hold on to. But they're basics that we don't get rid of. It's kind of like the, the ABCs. How many of you learned the ABCs in kindergarten? A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Do we still sing the, a, B, the alphabet song whenever we want to read a book? A, B, C. Okay, some of us maybe do, Stephen. That's too bad big baby, but, um, right, we don't, we, we use that, we don't, we, we don't abandon what we learned, we use it, we, we subconsciously use it now, but we don't sing the song anymore, right, we now, what did we do? They gave us that foundation, that building block to do what? To then, we, we took those letters and we started to put them together, and we started to put them together to, to learn how to make bigger words, right, some huge words that we can now say, like, you know, like, Massive words like, like, like a T and an it, to her, to the, things like that. You know, like we can string together words and make big words now. But they're foundations. They're building blocks. We don't throw it away, right? We don't throw away kindergarten. That's where we learned how to share and we learned the ABCs. It's probably the most foundational year of our life, right? So we keep these things. We don't discard them, but we build upon them. And that's what the author of Hebrews is getting at. He's going to give us six doctrines, like I said, in three pairs, that are the foundation of our faith that we need to build upon. And the first pair is about salvation. This is a building block basic 
that we should have under the belt. Salvation, and it's all about repentance and faith. Verse 1 continues, Therefore let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. Repentance from dead works. He says this is one of the foundational things. Repenting from dead works. Repenting from dead works. This was a key preaching, of course, of Jesus. A key preaching, of course, of the early church. Repentance. And he says here from dead works. So these Hebrew Christians, it specifically was, remember, they were being tempted to go back to temple worship. They were being tempted to go back to the sacrificial system that pointed to Jesus, to what he did for us. It wasn't the be-all, end-all. It was simply a picture of the sacrifice that Christ would make for us. They were being tempted to go back. He says, don't. You don't go back to the dead works of that. That's not going to help you. For us as Gentiles, repentance from dead works obviously would be speaking of sin, sinful things in our lives that, that the Lord convicts us of, but also repenting from those things in our lives that we would use to try to establish a right relationship with God. Do you know what I'm talking about? Dead works, things that works that we try to do to say, uh, 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 God, look at me, <laughs> look what I'm doing. Dead works, they don't help you. Why? Because what's the only thing that can help us in our relationship with God? Christ's sacrifice for us. And so he says, repent, we turn from those. But it's not just enough to repent. What did he also add to that? Repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. Right? He says, you also need to turn to God. Turn to God, recognizing that salvation is found only in Christ. So we turn to him. We turn away from selfishness and self-centeredness and, and self-righteousness to a God-centered life from our filthy rags, right? All your righteous acts are like filthy rags. That's what it amounts to. So, so it, it, it's a building block of the Christian faith. And again, we don't stop, do we stop repenting and putting our faith in God? Right? Of course we don't. In fact, I think the longer that we walk with Jesus, the more we recognize, oh my goodness, <laughs> that thought that heart attitude, that right? It's more and more that we start to recognize I need to repent and I need to put my faith in God. So it's a building block that we build upon and we keep exercising in our life. Well, the second pair is about the Christian life and the Holy Spirit. Baptisms and the laying on of hands. So verse one continues, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. Then verse two, and of instructions about washings Notice if you have the ESV there, there's a little footnote, and it says it can also be translated as baptisms, okay? So, of instructions about baptisms, which most translations actually use, and the laying on of hands. So, so the majority of your translations this morning probably use that word baptisms. And it's interesting that it's plural. Do you know there's actually three baptisms that are mentioned in the New Testament? He says this is a foundational building block for you as a Christian. Baptisms. Three baptisms that are mentioned here. The first, the first baptism is spiritual baptism. Okay? This is when you become a Christian, you just automatically are spiritually baptized into the family of God. That's, Paul talks about that in numerous passages. It's like a spiritual um, kind of initiation into God's family. So there's the spiritual baptism. The second baptism the New Testament speaks about is, of course, water baptism. Right? This is where we take a person and we put them down under the water. It's a picture and it's a representation of what? Christ's death. We are dying with Christ. Our sins, our past is dead, buried with Christ. And then we just keep them under the water. We just keep them down, keep them down, right? No, we don't. We bring them up. Why do we bring? Because what is the other symbol of, of water baptism? Resurrection. Resurrection. We're also, just as we're crucified with Christ, our past, our sins all paid for in him, we're also raised to new life in Jesus, right? So there's water baptism. So spiritual baptism, a water baptism, 
Then there's also the baptism of the Holy Spirit that the New Testament speaks about. When the Holy Spirit comes upon us and empowers us to be a witness for Jesus. And we need to experience all these baptisms as a Christian. If you're a baby Christian, you need to experience all of them. And if you're an adult Christian, you should have experienced them all and are continuing to experience them. But the author also mentions the laying on of hands, which in the New Testament was done by church members for various reasons. Um, They would lay their hands on people for healing and for deliverance, right, at various times of prayer. They'd also lay their hands on people, you see this in the book of Acts, to to commission or appoint people uh, to God's work, kind of like an ordination of ministry. That was another purpose. Also notice in the New Testament that they would lay their their hands on people, oftentimes um, preceding the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the point of the Holy Spirit. So he links these together that this should be joined together. And so he says, baptisms and the laying on of hands, these should be a foundation. This should be a starting point for you as a believer in Christ, every believer. This should just should be something that we're not only familiar with, this should be something that we are regularly practicing. That's what he's saying. This is a foundation to build upon. It should be just a normal part of your life. Baptisms and the laying on of hands, operating in this. Well, the third foundation, the final foundational pair is about the end times the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. Verse 2 closes with this, the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. That's what it says. And the reality that we need to understand is this, is that one day, the bodies of the righteous and the bodies of the unrighteous, the wicked, all people will be raised back to life. You need to know this. This is a foundational truth of the Christian faith. There will be a resurrection of the good and the bad, of the righteous and the unrighteous, the, the, the wicked and then the righteous. <laughs> I'm trying to think what's the opposite of wicked. <laughs> right? We'll all be raised back to life, not just believers. The Word of God tells us that. All will be raised, but every human being will live forever. I don't know if everyone knows that. Every human being will be raised back to life and will live forever. But the author doesn't just say that also about resurrections that we need to understand, but what else does he say? What's the next part? Eternal judgment. Resurrections resurrection and eternal judgment everybody will be raised back to life every human being will live forever but another foundational building block is out of understanding eternal judgment that every human will be resurrected and every human will stand before god every single human those that have not put their faith in christ will stand before what's known as the great white throne judgment it is there that they will be judged to give an account for their sins who paid for their sins Did anyone pay for the sins or are they going to try to pay for the sins? They'll give an account for what they did. However, Christians don't stand before the great white throne judgment. Why? Because our sins have already been judged. You should know this. Your sins have been paid for. In fact, to Telestai, paid in full. Done. So we, therefore, as believers, we will be raised. We won't stand before the great white throne. Instead, we stand before what's known as the Bema judgment seat of Christ. And it is there that Christians will then not be judged for rights and wrongs, for sin, but there we will be rewarded for what we did for Christ on this earth. That's what will happen. So there will be a resurrection and there will be eternal judgment. That's a foundational truth that we should have a grasp on as believers in Christ. Basically, it's it's kind of like heaven or hell. But everybody lives forever. We need to understand that. Depending on what we did with Christ. And these are the foundational building blocks that the author of Hebrews says are are, are the basics of the Christian faith, the starting points. 
I remember years ago when I was in Bible school and I first read that passage of Scripture, I was like, I don't know most of this stuff. <laughs> I was a baby Christian. I'd been a Christian almost my entire life, but I was still a baby because I didn't get this stuff. These are things that we should begin to have a grasp on. And once we do, these are the starting points. And the author says, and then we'll go on to some deeper truths. We're going to go, because God has so much more to reveal to us. For instance, in chapter 7 about Melchizedek, right? He's got so much more, but we've got to grasp these basics first. And we'll close with verse 3. And this we will do if God permits. This we will do. We'll move on if God permits. This isn't saying, it kind of, you can read that and kind of be like, wait a minute, God's not going to permit some people to grow up? That's kind of what it sounds like. Uh, or, or he's not going to allow some people to move on to maturity and grab these, like, what? It, it's really a Greek phrase or an expression. It's a way of saying, basically saying that we can only do this with God working in us. That's kind of a way of, that's kind of what this is saying here. We can only do this with God working in us. And that's the truth. That's the truth. Because think about it. With these first four points of going backwards, of course, we must not be dull, lazy, or ignorant. We must not be unwilling to share with others. We mustn't live only feeding on a baby food diet. And we can't remain unskilled in the Word of God. We must work at that. We do have a part to play. Right? We do. However, God also wants to work in us. And he wants to partner with us to grow us up, to mature us. That's what the author here is saying. He wants to work in you. And as we close this morning, I know this was kind of a bit of a spiritual spanking, perhaps. <laughs> I don't want you to feel guilty and be like, I'm the crappiest Christian ever. Oh, sorry, I shouldn't have maybe said crap. And I said it again. <laughs> Some people get offended by that. Sorry. But that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to make you feel down and like, I'm just garbage, I'm giving up. In fact, the letter of Hebrews, this is the crazy thing. The letter of Hebrews, he's writing this. He's writing to discouraged Christians. And he wants to encourage them. And so this morning, may you be some way drawn to go, I want to grow up. I don't want to be a baby anymore. I want to grow up in my faith. I want to partner with God. I want to be awakened to all that he has for me because he says, I've got way more deeper stuff to teach you. But let's first of all, take these basics and build upon them. Let's take the ABCs Get those down and build upon it. And so maybe this morning you're here in this life, in this world, it's dulled you. Maybe the flesh has silenced you. Maybe the enemy has stunted your growth. Know that God is for you, that, that he wants to fill you with his Holy Spirit, that he wants to empower you to live for him. And if you're here this morning in person, maybe you're joining us online, and you've been living less than all that God has for you, maybe you've been going backwards, I want to encourage you this morning to start again with the basics. Just start again with the basics. Let's go back to the ABCs. You need to repent. And you need to put your faith again in God. Turn again to God. Maybe it's the first time, maybe it's the thousandth time. Go back to the basics. Repent from whatever it is that's causing you to walk from God, to go backwards, and turn again to Him. And the other basics, just ask Him to fill you with His Holy Spirit, to give the ability and power to live for Him you can't do in his own strength your own strength and then you need to live life focused on eternity with an eternal mindset to all you do father this morning as we fix our attention upon you lord i admit i can't speak for everybody here but i admit that in many ways my life does tend to trend backwards at times go back to kind of some baby-like stuff. 
Lord, I ask you right now in your strength and in your power, help me grow up. Help me move forward. Help me not to backslide, but to move forward in you, in the strength that you have. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for listening to the podcast from Duncan Pentecostal Church, located here in Duncan, British Columbia, on beautiful Vancouver Island. At DPC, we believe in teaching the whole Bible to build whole believers who can impact the whole world. For more information about us, find us online at www.duncanchurch.com or find us on Facebook and YouTube by searching Duncan Pentecostal Church. Have a great day.